Amen. Thank you, Lucy. I've actually asked Michael to read this psalm. I want to speak from a psalm, Psalm 42. So let's just listen to these words, and then I'm going to just try and look at this psalm, see what we can get from it. It's Psalm 42, as Mike said. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with, with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Did that sound a bit depressing, that psalm? Are you thinking, oh my goodness, or are you thinking, come on, let's uh, bring it on? Who's in the bring it on? A few people. Well, that's a relief. Now, have you got any family traditions? I heard of a great family tradition from a friend the other day, and they said, uh, what we do in our family, I thought it was bizarre, is um, we, we take photos of each other doing handstands in different parts of the world and send it to one another. I thought, I've never heard of that. And um, actually, we have a few family traditions in my family. One of them is, uh, it sounds a bit holy, without, they're not all holy, but when we get people uh, round for a meal, some of you have had this experience, we, I often say to them, if they're Christians, look, I've got three boys, here they are. If you had to tell them one thing about God, what would it be? One thing about God, what would it be? Because I want other voices into their lives, not just the drone of my own voice. And uh, they say all sorts of stuff. And we, we're thinking about what's the one thing that you would say uh, that you feel God is saying at this time. And are you ready for my one thing I want to talk about this morning? I want to say this, one thing, go deeper with God. Go deeper with God. And I want to just unpack this from this psalm. You know, going deeper actually uh, is essential. And what can happen as we follow Jesus is we can plateau or level off 
But God calls us to go deep with him, and it's really pressing. Has anyone read A Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster? It's a great book. His book opens with this uh, sentence. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The greatest need today is not for greater numbers of intelligent people or gifted people. What we really need is deep people. And we need to be people, uh, I want to suggest this morning, uh, who go deep with God. This is essential for our country. I don't know how you feel about the new prime minister. I don't know how you feel about the prospect of a no-deal Brexit or who knows what's going to happen. But whether, I'm not making political comments, by the way, we're in an interesting time as a country of uncertainty, instability, who knows what's going to happen. But we need people who are going to go deep with God and be rooted and grounded. And we need people in every sector of society, whether you're in the education uh, sector or whether you're a lecturer, whether you work for the prison service, whether you're a plumber or a builder, you're with the council or you're studying. We need people at this time who are rooted and grounded and deep uh, with God. So it's essential, I want to suggest, for our country at the time. And it's essential, actually, for our church at this time. What's our vision? To love God, love people, and make a difference. And actually, only deep people can do that really well. We need to be rooted and grounded. We need to, uh, you know, uh, build the family of the church, shine brightly, and live courageously. And we'll be talking about this uh, in September. And also, I want to say, going deeper is essential to you and I personally in our own lives. Because the more we follow Jesus, the more we lay down our lives, the, the greater life and joy we find. And it's countercultural, but this call to go deep is a call actually to find the joy of God, the love of God, and the life of God. And it's not always obvious. I love Rowan Williams says this the inseparability of utter cost and utter joy is something that should worry people about Christianity. It's so blindingly unobvious. So we need to be deep, we need to press into God, and uh, I guess that begs the question, how are we doing, where are we doing at this time in our life? And I I want to just use this psalm and uh, ask a few questions that might help us think about this. And the first is, um, how thirsty are you for God in your life right now? How thirsty are you? to go deeper with God in your life right now. It's clear from verse 1 that the person who wrote this psalm is thirsting and hungering for God. Verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, uh, O God. And uh, this can sound all sort of lovely and sort of, oh, I'm thirsty, and we sung the song. But actually, this is a, he's in a difficult situation. Uh, drought, no water. Without water, you struggle. You, you, your life ends after a few days. So he's uh, actually in a difficult situation. And uh, he, compares the, uh, uh, he compares himself to a deer 
who is seeking water, panting after water. Notice he's not comparing himself to a camel who can survive for a long time without water, a deer who needs water. So he's thirsty, he's thirsty uh, for the things of God. And from verse 2, notice actually he's thirsty for the living God. He's not just thirsty for anything. He's thirsty for the living God. We worship this God who, who is alive, who's defeated death, as we've sung about. And he's thirsting after the living, living God. We mustn't forget that, that we don't worship a doctrine. We don't worship a book. We don't actually worship uh, a gathering of people each week. We worship, actually, a living God. I remember my first day at Theological College about 20 years ago down in Oxford. And Alistair McGrath, who's the professor of historical theology at Oxford, he said this. He stood up. I'll never forget it. And he said this. He said, if after uh, your time here, at the end of your course, you know more about God, I consider that we've utterly failed you. And I thought, well, that's why I'm here. What's he talking about? He said, I don't want you to know more about God. I want you to know God more. This is the call. This is the call uh, of the Christian life to get to know the living God. And if we're to do that, notice in verse 2, the psalmist isn't after a sort of theory. He's actually after an encounter. When can I go and meet with God? He wants to encounter God, the living God, face to face and connect with him. And I don't know how you encounter God. We have different personalities. We have sort of different spiritualities. We have different ways of doing this uh, as people. And that's absolutely wonderful and diverse and rich. But actually, are you encountering the living God at this time? That's what the psalmist here uh, wants to do. He's thirsty. He wants to encounter the living God. And he wants to have an encounter with him. And I don't know how you're doing in your spiritual life at this time, but it's clear the psalmist has seen better days. If you look at verse 4, uh, it seems that he used to be a worship leader, maybe a band leader uh, in the temple. These things I remember uh, uh, as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, uh, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. So we don't know much about the psalmist. We don't know much about uh, who he is. But he used to be a worship leader. He's clearly had seen better times, so to speak. And uh, basically, he uh, is now finding himself in uh, difficult times. He's clearly worried. If you look at the first bit of, uh, of verse 5a, the first bit. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And he's in this difficult season. And I, as I was preparing for this, I wanted just to talk to people who, as you think about going deeper, maybe in your spiritual life, you've plateaued or you're struggling a bit. And I, I want to use the rest of this psalm to see how we, what we can take and how I can seek to encourage you through this. Well, what does he do? He's thirsting, he's longing, he's in a difficult situation. The first thing he does is he speaks encouragement over his life. This is the, se the second half uh, of verse five. He says this, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. And he's actually speaking over his own life uh, to his soul. 
And we often think, I often think prayer is about talking to God, communicating with God. There's an element of prayer which is about speaking to ourselves. And that's very, very important what we actually speak over our lives and, uh, you know, what we're saying. And often we say quite negative things or we say uh, negative spiritual things. I'm not this, I'm not that, this is terrible, da, da, da. The person here actually seeks to speak encouragement over his life. And uh, this is what the psalmists do. If you think about it, there's the other one. Bless the Lord, O my soul. My soul, I'm speaking to, would you just bless the Lord? He's giving himself uh, uh, words and a sort of encouraging himself uh, to focus on God. Are you with me so far? The next thing he does is he goes back to basics and reminds himself who God is. One of the big problems for us as followers of Jesus is we suffer from amnesia, and we have to keep going over the basics, keep reminding ourselves who God is. And so in verse 6, he goes back to some of the basics, and he says this, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan in the heights of Hermon, Mount Mizar. And he goes back to this memory of who God is and that he's talking about the source of the River Jordan. And uh, actually, there's this implication of I'm going back to the source of God. I'm looking at God and I'm going back to him. Now, I've stood on the banks of the River Jordan. Has anyone stood on? It sounds like a song. I've stood on the banks of the River Jordan. Uh, I don't know that song, but there isn't. Maybe there is a song like that. But... um, I've stood on the banks and it's just this river, but actually what's interesting is he, he goes back to God and actually in the chaos he remembers that God is in control. He's in a difficult situation. That's clear from verse 7, the next bit. He says this, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. So he's in a difficult situation. He's got waterfalls, he's overwhelmed. So notice the imagery's changed from the dry land in the opening verses. Now he's talking about water. And uh, it's overwhelming. And to be honest, I've been to the source of the Jordan. I started off, uh, when I was 19, I went to Israel. Some friends said, look, let's go. Uh, It's going to be wild. It's going to be a party. We weren't Christians. And one thing we did was we did this rafting thing, it was told, from the the source of the Jordan River up near where this guy's talking about. And we got into inner tubes, and the river was absolutely full on. It was rapids. It was all the rest of it. And I came out of my, you meant to sit in these inner tubes and hold on. And I came out of mine, and the river was so fast, I remember grabbing a tree, trying to get back in. And it just ripped and shredded my hand. And uh, everyone fell out of their inner tubes, because we were going over rapids. We all thought we were going to drown. And, uh, you know, it was just this awful experience. And guess how long uh, we had to wait before we could get out, because it was so forceful, the River Jordan at the source. Guess how long? Two and a half hours. We were in there for, and we all got back on the bus. No one drowned, thankfully, and there was just total silence. Everyone was traumatized because these waves were crashing over us, and we should have known because right at the beginning, we had to sign a form saying we wouldn't sue anyone if we died. But, you know, you know what it's like when you're 18. You don't really worry about these things. But he is in this overwhelming situation, and actually, uh, he remembers God's in control because here's the thing. If you look at the, the verse, if you look at the words uh, on the screen, Basically, these uh, water and waves, they're God's waterfalls. They're God's waves. He says, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. 
So he's, he's saying, look, I'm in a difficult situation. I'm feeling overwhelmed, and actually I'm trusting God. This is probably coming from you, but they're your ways, they're your waterfalls, and I'm trusting in you. I remember about 10 years ago, uh, I'd been a Christian for about 20 years at that point, and I found it all right being a Christian. You know, it's quite hard at times, isn't it? You have different seasons, but generally speaking, it had been okay. And uh, basically, I felt God say to me, I was praying one morning, he said, Mike, I'm putting you into the desert. And it was really, really clear. And I feel emotional even talking about it because he put me there for just under three years and nothing. But you see, God had put me there. And then uh, I felt I was coming out of it and God said, you're right, we've been in the desert, I'm now putting you in darkness. And I was in darkness for about two years, five years. It's quite hard when you're leading a church to be in the desert and in the darkness. But the thing is, I wouldn't change that for the world. Because God was on, in it, he led me in it, and what I discovered there was very, very difficult, very, very challenging, but beautiful and wonderful. And I went deep with God in a way I hadn't done before or probably since. So... The psalmist is saying, look, God, you're in control, okay? And I'm trusting you. Uh, And he also, importantly in verse 8, reminds himself that God is always loving. One of the problems of talking about these things is, as you can think, I meet so many Christians who basically something awful has happened to them, and they they often say, what have I done wrong? God's punishing me. But actually, God only ever works in our lives through love. And you see this, uh, the psalmist reminding himself that. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God uh, of my life. So it's worth remembering in these seasons, God leads us into some of these things. I've had awful stuff happen to me since I've been a Christian. And uh, a lot of it I wouldn't attribute to God, actually. But I've also had times when really challenging stuff has happened. And I would attribute it to God. So you need to be people who are deep and can discern and hold on to the Lord uh, in the difficult times. Are you with me so far? The other thing he does, it's really essential. In the tough times, he asks the hard questions. Uh, If you look at this in verse uh, 9, I think it is. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Have you ever said that to God? What's going on? Where are you? I thought, why why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? And, uh, you know, it's very, very important if you are following God, you're in these seasons that you don't just shut off. And I, I tend to sulk or I get a bit desperate. But it's quite important that we just have the conversation with God. I'd been a Christian about six years and I was really struggling. And someone said to me, you know, speak to God about that, Mike, because he knows anyway. And I started really opening my heart, everything to the Lord. And uh, that's a really, really important thing uh, uh, to do. If you don't ask the hard questions, you just get uh, uh, stuck What the psalmist does, you'll see in verse 10, is he speaks to God about his suffering and the challenges of his life. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? So he speaks to God about the challenging things, the difficult things in his life, the inexplicable things, the overwhelming things, and uh, he has that um, conversation, if you like, Uh, with God 
And the final thing he does is he resolves to carry on trusting God and going deeper. He says, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to carry on. I've said I'm a Christian. God's promised never to leave me. I can walk away, but I'm not walking away. I'm going to go deeper with God, and I'm going to find his hope, his trust, and his life. Why are you downcast, O my soul, it ends? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So I hope that's given you some food for thought, and I want to really close and talk about hippos. I know that sounds a bit strange, but the thing is, uh, God carries us uh, through these things. God carries us uh, through life. Has anyone seen the hippo documentary recently? Has anyone seen it? You've seen it. Bex watched it. She was talking to me about it. These hippos are obviously massive animals. They carry a lot of stuff, and they actually struggle to walk. They can feel so heavy laden at times. That's why they go to water. And uh, they go to water because in water they are lifted and carried and they find buoyancy. And I just wanted to say, anyone here who's been struggling, let God carry you. This is something I learned in the desert and in the darkness. God is powerful, he's loving, he's kind. In our own strength, we don't get very far or cope with very, very many things. But he can carry us and he can uh, support us and lift us up. And so what I want to do in closing is just say, over the summer, would you pray about going deeper into God? Work out where you're at. And would you really just uh, press in to the Lord in whatever things he's calling you to go into at the moment? Would you be someone who uh, actually really takes the call on your life really, really seriously? Because he's got assignments for you to do he's got things for you to do in your life would you be someone who puts a a stake in the ground and actually says you know what I don't really feel like it but I'm going to trust God that I'm gifted and I've got a massive contribution to make and I'm just going to go for it and would you be someone who uh, commits to laying down your life again and serving the living God who is longing to encounter you moment by moment day in, day out, week in, week out, through the amazing seasons of life, through the tragedies of life, through the weirdness of life, through the joys of life, and he's with you and for you. Amen. So what I want to do is give you space. I want to just, we've got a bit of time. I want to give you space to sit in the presence of God. Be still and know I am God, uh, another psalmist says. And I'd love you just to sit and ask God to uh, encounter you and speak to you. And we're going to do this just in silence for about five minutes. It's called waiting on the spirit. And just see what God does. Let him speak to you. Five minutes, we're just going to be quiet and wait on God.